1: Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. It is the Christmas Eve version of Buckeye Talk, and it is also the a Thursday edition of Market Down Monday, our first ever Thursday edition of Market Down Monday. For those of you who are new to the podcast, I'm Nathan Baird, by the way, from cleveland.com. He's Doug LaMaurice. Stephen Means, as always, uh, the group all together here on this, this festive holiday. And for those of you who are new to the podcast, we know that we have added some listeners in the last few months, and we appreciate you joining in. Back in the spring, we started a, a weekly series called Market Down Monday. And every Monday, Doug and Stephen and I would have to kind of put our name on a prediction about Ohio State football. And it ranged from like specific statistical things about the season that was coming up to like some broader questions about the program to um, a lot of things that were going on with the pandemic at the time, as I, as I read back or listened back through some of these in the last uh, day or so. And it was a kind of a, a really fascinating way. I, I found reviewing that to be really fascinating. The things that we were talking about in May and June and July And uh, especially as it related to the pandemic and how little we knew back then compared to what we now know and how things actually turned out um, were pretty fascinating. But it was a way for us to like to do predictive things. But they always had to be kind of something that could be measured so that at some point we could do what we're going to do today, which is like look back through them and, and kind of keep score. The problem is we picked just the worst year to start this because everything we based was, um, off of, you know, you're, you're asking who's going to lead Ohio state in sacks this year. And you're, you're basing your answers off of a 12 game season. Um, some, some answers were more outlandish than others, even for a 12 game season, but then we get what we ended up with in and, and a very um, messy way to get to it. Um, so people seem to like this. We, it was, it was a great way to get a lot of, um, involvement from those of you who are tech subscribers, because we did, you know, we used your answers and your polls and your responses each week. But um, nothing ended up the way we expected it to basically, is I guess a way to to think about this. Is that what you guys would expect? You guys haven't seen what I went back through and tallied up, but very little of what we predicted turned out to be true in any way.
2: So my big question is going to be I'm not surprised that our predictions were wrong, but as you just sort of gathered their predictions and listened to the discussions, was your overall takeaway that we are dumb or that we are smart? Because just because your prediction's wrong doesn't mean your thinking wasn't correct. Or did you listen to it and say, my God, these people are idiots?
1: Oh, I'm certainly not going to say that we didn't at some point say something stupid. Um, I'm sure we did. But I do think w- the way we talked about it, I will I don't go back and listen to our podcast very much. Um because I'm 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 doing them and it it, we spend enough yeah. time doing them, I don't have a lot of time to sit around and listen to them again. So um but going back and listening to those, I was actually kind of uh patting myself on the back. Not myself, but all of us thinking like, Oh, hey, this is actually a pretty good podcast. We actually I think we did a pretty good job talking through some of these topics. So I don't think we we sounded stupid, but Again, the way we were talking about this in May, do you guys remember back like during uh, the the NFL draft in April and around that time and we were talking to Ryan Day, even back then we were already only on Zoom because of what was going on with the pandemic. But people are making jokes about like, hey, how'd you like uh, Benjamin Tiger King and and stuff like that? And it was almost like this is this temporary minor thing and they'll figure it out in a few weeks. And how do you think this is going to affect the giant 12-game season of normalcy that you're going to have this fall? Like what are the possible repercussions for that? How does missing a few weeks now, are you guys just going to make up those weeks and then have a regular fall? And then like we had no idea what we were talking about back then. Everything changed. So that was the thing. Like this, that's why I said this was like almost the worst year to do this. Not because we didn't talk about smart things at the time, but because we had no idea what was coming that was going to, foul up any way to like make predictions about this season because we were so wrong about what the season was going to look like which by the way was one of the predictions
0: and in the name of not knowing what we were talking about I think we made a lot of these market downs when we weren't talking to anybody at Ohio State and so we were just we were trying to base a hypothetical 12 game season off of a spring practice and a half of seeing them practice and talking to linebackers and tight
1: ends
2: yeah, the what? The linebackers and the tight ends are like the two position groups that right, that were like, interviews with.
1: The two most yeah. secure position groups on this team as far as like yeah. depth and veterans and everything. And those were the two that we got in the spring, and it was like nothing. That was the closest
0: I've been to an Ohio State football player until the Michigan State game where I was taking a video to show people that Justin
2: Fields was in fact on the bus. The the thing that I think we can do a little bit is I'm sure there's some stat predictions in here, Nathan. The fact sure. that they've played six we can double some stats and get close, right? It's like if we said, hey, right. I think, you know, Trey Sermon will have, you know, 1,900 rushing yards. It's like, okay, well, let's see what he is and double it. So we'll be able to do a little bit of that. But that, that's a lot of stuff. I know we had a long discussion about, like, 1,000-yard receivers with Olave and Wilson. And obviously there was no way they were going to get to 1,000 yards, but we can double what they did and say, oh, yeah, they both would have gotten to 1,000 yards.
1: So to give people an idea, for, and those who, who maybe weren't listening back then, uh, like I said, there were some that were very statistical like that. Who will lead Ohio State in interceptions in 2020? Just a very, just blunt, like who's your answer and how many will they have? And 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 those are pretty straightforward. And then there were some others that are a little bit um, more like big picture. Um, we'll, we'll go back to the one that starts on May 18th. So May 18th was the, the maiden voyage of, of Market Down Monday. And our question was, how many future Heisman Trophy finalists are on Ohio State's 2020 roster? And I think – and because we were saying future Heisman Trophy finalists, that could include Justin Fields in 2020, even though he'd already been one in 2019. Uh, the answers that w- the three of us gave, Doug said one, only Justin Fields. And I and Stephen – Stephen and I both said two, Justin Fields. And then I don't know if we – I, I listened to these very quickly. So I don't know if we – specified who that second one would be but you know there obviously were options as far as whoever wins the quarterback backup quarterback battle maybe he goes on to be a Heisman Trophy winner maybe it's one of these receivers although Steven was arguing shockingly by the way going back five six months shockingly arguing that there that no receivers could get to New York basically um not not that any of, not because it was Ohio State receivers but because no receivers go to New York and I think we were wrong – like, so that's one of the things that we probably are going to end up being wrong about because I'm pretty sure not only is a receiver going to get to New York, he's, he may win the whole thing this year. Um, but now – but, but the, the structure, the, the, the bottom the, – the 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 foundation of both of those answers, whether it was one or two, was that Justin Fields was going to be a Heisman Trophy at least finalist in 2020. And I don't – that, as we just discussed at length on Wednesday's pod, that probably is not going to happen tonight when those are announced. Inexplicably at 7 30 p.m. on Christmas Eve.
2: Yeah. And uh, you know, this was one of those some of these market down Mondays, it's you know, like three years from now, we're gonna be like, All right, Nathan, go back and review a three-year-old podcast. How many Heisman Trophy finalists were there on the 2020 roster? And it's like, well, we didn't know it at the time, but you know, Jackson Smith Najigba was a Heisman Trophy finalist, or, you know, like that's we could wind in, up in a spot there. But that is, as we discussed, like one of the I'd say most surprising things about this is that we're almost sure Justin Fields does not go into New York.
1: And on August 3rd, actually, I don't think anybody's going to New York this year, right? It's all True. virtual, but, but finalists. Yes. And I, um, on August 3rd, the August 3rd edition of Buckeye talk, we all affirmed, we all answered yes. Will Justin Fields win the 2020 Heisman? We all picked him to win the Heisman trophy in 2020. Um, Stephen, I do, has your, because of what, um, Devontae Smith is doing this year, And because of what you've seen from maybe Garrett Wilson this year, has it changed your stance that no Ohio State receiver on this current roster? Because it was all based on the 2020 roster. Could an Ohio State receiver get to New York?
0: Yes, and I think next year is the perfect time for that to potentially happen because it's going to be a lot of talent in that room, but it's going to be Garrett Wilson and his backup singers and it's going to be a freshman quarterback. So there's going to be a lot of – a freshman quarterback, a true freshman quarterback or a retro freshman, however they they handle their eligibility with Jack Miller and C.J. Stroud. No matter what, whoever takes the field against Minnesota next season is going to be throwing the ball in the game for the first time. And so for those first maybe seven or eight weeks, it's going to be the Garrett Wilson show when you sprinkle everybody else in. And so because of that, Garrett's stats might help him if they're mirroring what Devonta Smith or what Amari Cooper's stats were to help his cause out, because it's one, the stats are there, but also the storyline of this is a true freshman's bet or a true freshman or a red freshman's best weapon and really only reliable weapon. Cause all these other guys don't have any experience. And so we have, we have to rely on this wide receiver week in and week out. He keeps producing and we keep winning because of it. So if it was going to happen for Ohio State, it has to happen next year before that, you know, ridiculous amount of talent all kicks in and get some experience
2: as we said on the Heisman podcast Jalen Waddle getting hurt is what made this impossible mm-hmm. for Smith and so that's you have to be the guy on your team and also the idea it's interesting to think about like next year you know the Ohio State quarterback at least going into the season is not going to be thought of as a Heisman Trophy candidate next year and Mac Jones emerged obviously as a candidate but he emerged in tandem with the receiver. He wasn't viewed like the same way Tua was going into a year. And so I think that increases the chances for a receiver if your quarterback is not quite viewed as a superstar beforehand, right, that allows the receiver, and that actually will set up that way. Garrett Wilson is going to be the focus – of the Ohio state offense, at least going into the 2021 season, it's going to be like, maybe we don't know who's going to throw it, but we sure as heck know who's going to catch it. That's a window of what a a receiver Heisman trophy candidacy looks like. There were some
1: topics that uh, just kind of fell apart for obvious reasons on June 8th. When will Michigan beat Ohio state football again? Well, they didn't even play this year, but none of us had picked that game anyway. So that one's still kind of hanging out there for the future. Uh, July 13th, when will Ohio State coach Ryan Day lose his first regular season game? Um, I don't remember if any of us – I actually didn't go back and listen to that one. But I don't remember if any of us picked a 2020 game for that. Do you guys remember what you would have picked for that?
0: I didn't because I said they were going to go this year. So
2: I might have, but I'm not sure.
1: I, I, can't, I cannot remember if we did or not. I was thinking we all picked 2021 or later. Was um, that
0: pre-Oregon uh, game cancellation?
1: This was on July 13th. That's a good question. I don't remember if they had already uh, lopped off the non-conference games at that point or not,
0: cuz that's the only way I could have seen anybody.
1: Another they would have lost
0: R- lost a regular season game.
1: Yeah, another one I didn't listen back to was August 10th. How many regular season wins for Ohio state? Cuz again, I think that was I, I can't remember if that was based if they had they hadn't set up this new schedule at that point. They had only canceled the season at that point. Um so, but what we did, I thought, pick pretty, we were pretty close on was on June 29th. How many regular season games will Ohio State play in 2020? Doug and I both said eight, and Steven said nine. Um, now, that was how many they were supposed to play. But then I, I think at the time, again, this was before the first cancellation and before they had established the second season with all of the structure that went along with the second season, the protocols and the rules and everything like that. I wonder what we would have picked if we had if we had redone it at that point, if maybe if we revisited it at that point and tried to guess how many games. Because I think we went into uh, late October, that restart, that, that eight-game season we finally did have. I think we went into that thinking probably that things like cancellations – were not maybe going to be as much of an issue as they turned out to be. But I think we kind of were thinking that more back in May when things were still up in the air.
2: No, I think I remember when we sort of were really digging in on, okay, now we sort of know what the schedule's going to be, that there were at least some texters who were like, I think they're going to go 6-0. and And it's like, what do you mean? It's an eight-game schedule. It's like, yeah, I don't think they're going to play all the games. And that was like a minority opinion. Mm-hmm. That it did feel like, you know, when we were dancing around, and by the way, they canceled the non-conference schedule on July 9th. So that's okay. when the, uh, the big 10 announced that they're not playing non-conference games, but um, that's not where I was, you know, once they got to here's the new schedule. Yes. We knew there was no wiggle room and we knew the virus was around, but that again, that was right at the point where like the virus was kind of at a low ebb when they sort of announced what the new official schedule was going to be when they announced it in September. And we're going to do this in October 24th. And it was like, okay, well it um, seems like they can get through. And there were some texters who were smarter about that than we were.
1: There were some that we were uh, obviously dead on on July 27th, which Ohio State quarterback will start the next game. And at that point, the big question was, are they going to play this fall, basically? that The thing that was hanging out there was, we think Ohio State's going to have some kind of a 2020 season. But if they don't set up a season for this fall, or at least not somewhat early in the fall, are they then going to and it gets moved back to the winter or the spring is Justin Fields going to be around to start that game. That was essentially the question. All of us answered that we thought Justin Fields would start the next game, but it, it is curious again, like at that point, I'm what I say that was July 27th. So that, that again was before the first actual cancellation. Um, so it was very much up in the air within an, another week as to whether or not that season was even going to happen. It's just, it, I, it's I. it been interesting to go back through that over the last day and see how on a week-to-week basis, we were bouncing around so much. It feels like that's how this regular season has been, especially the second half of it for Ohio State because of all the cancellations, um, because you're having to get like trying to check in on daily updates as far as testing and things like that and seeing where the team stands. But it's easy to forget sometimes that it was that way all along, really. It's been that way since the spring in a lot of ways. The only times when it wasn't like that was when we thought the season was completely called off and they weren't going to play football.
2: Yeah, the idea that, that at that point in time, we were all saying Justin Fields would start the next game. That's because we didn't know how wild it could get, right? There were times when, when they canceled fall football, and it was like, is he going to play in January? You know, like that, that, we would have had probably a very different answer, a more split answer of whether Justin Fields would start the next game or not. It is wild to think about when you rewind the period of time where, and I was in, I was pushing as hard as anybody, where like this January season, was such a big idea and the idea of like who was going to opt out and not was such a huge thing. Even the, you know, Wyatt Davis opted out for a week or then opted back in. But as many, that's the one thing in all of this that has not been that big of it has not been an issue for Ohio state. When you think about, There were a lot of guys in the Big Ten that opted out and opted back in, but, like, Rondale Moore's season got all screwed up by it. Micah Parsons stayed out. Rashad Bateman opted back in but then just didn't have the kind of season he had last year. Rashawn Slater at Northwestern stayed, opted out, and they won the Big Ten West without him. Like, the opt-out thing was was a wild deal that Ohio State, for all the things they have had to deal with, that's one thing they haven't had to deal with. And I know we talked about that at the time of, I just didn't think the national title contenders would have opt-outs that I thought, if you thought you had a chance at a ring and winning it all, those guys would stay every, and that was only like three teams who really it was Clemson, Alabama, Ohio state. I just thought, I doubt that that's going to be an opt-out issue. Everybody else was fair game. And that I think is how that has played out. And we're seeing it now in bowl season. We saw it in the middle of the season. We saw it before the season, Some of these guys, it's like, what am I playing for? I'm out. But the three big teams didn't have to face that.
1: And and some of the teams that were maybe on the fringe, those, those drop, those opt outs didn't happen until the PAC 12 and big 10 canceled their seasons or or right around that time. So it was still, we were still a few weeks away from that, but you're right. I think, and I think we all kind of thought that way that that probably would happen. Um, I did pull a couple of quotes out here and there to kind of really um, crystallize how wrong we were about some things. Um, on the August 24th podcast, and I actually could not find all of our answers within that podcast to this question, when will Ohio State football play its next game? So can I, can
2: te- I interrupt here for a second? Because sure. Because this, this is the conversation we had before we came on the podcast. Nathan's general issues with the lack of structure on Buckeye Talk I think have probably <laughs> come to a head with well, hold on a second. reviewing this because
1: yeah.
2: you who's said who's you could Market find Monday.
1: Who's usually That's in true. charge of Market Down Monday? You are, yeah. So I'm, I'm just saying, I was You're saying in this yourself. particular podcast, we were bouncing around so much that I, I was trying to listen back through. It's the last one. It was the last one we did. August 24th was the last one. And we asked the question, when will Ohio State football play its next game? And I couldn't find in there when we actually <laughs> gave our answer as to when we were going to play the next game. Because we did – because there's so much in there that we do talk about. It was – we were asking – different reader, uh, different texter questions and giving their percentages. And Steve and I are guessing percentages. And it, yeah. it's just, there was a that's- lot in there. So it wasn't necessarily the structure in that case. It was just that we had so much in there that it was hard to find. I did that's find every,
0: that's every podcast we do. You, you can't, I, 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 I tell people, you can't go looking for things when you listen to our podcast, you just have to press play. And then, you know, when it comes up, it comes up
1: by and large, I did find them, but it was harder than I expected it to be. And in this we, one of us did say this quote I'm higher that there will be a spring season than there will be a miracle fall season that was said on August 24th which dummy do you think said that me
0: yeah that sounds like a Doug quote
1: no that was me I was one of <laughs> I think at that time on August 24th I think <laughs> I was saying I was buying into the the Ryan Day January plan at that point but again that was that was remember that like that was Ryan Day we're gonna he wanted a January season that was it was literally like a hot minute where that was like a good idea. It lasted was, about that long. And then like by next week, people were like, oh, wait, don't you mean Thanksgiving? And then people were like, oh, don't you mean let's just play right now? Like it was a very oh. rapid return to just having a fall season.
0: I remember asking recruits like, hey, do you think you could play in January? And they're like, yeah, they're telling us that if we play in January, we're going to be eligible because it's going to be a free year and whatnot. I remember having those conversations with Kyle McCord and Jack Sawyer and Trayvon Henderson.
1: Steven, so, just how, how surprised are you then, in retrospect, that they got any kind of a fall season in?
0: Shocked, but not necessarily because it wasn't possible, but it just, at the time, the Big Ten just seems so hell-bent on its original decision. And not how they are now, where they've made decisions, but they're not afraid to change those decisions if, some, if new information comes out. If you would have told me back in July that hey, we would have played the season, they would have come out with a 21-day rule, and then now Ohio State's playing in the playoffs and they're changing that 21-day rule, or they're changing the rule that you needed to play at least a, a certain amount of games to be eligible for a Big Ten championship game, I wouldn't have believed you with that either because that just didn't seem like the way things were
2: trending. Can we play a little hypothetical situation here? Of course. If the That's Big what Ten on Monday is, it's all true. hypothetical. true. Yeah. If the Big Ten had stuck by its original decision and if then the Ryan Day January plan had emerged as the next best option because the Big Ten was just not going to reconsider and was not going to play in the fall. And we were sitting here right now with Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Texas A&M getting ready to play in the playoff. The Pac-12 would have had its truncated, interrupted season season. Or, no, the Pac-12 would have stayed out, yeah, too. Pac-12 play. would have stayed out with the Big Ten. The Big 12, you know, like the, all, the ACC, the Big 12, and the, and, the, and the SEC would have played. And, like, the SEC got, like, practically every game in. I think they might have had one game if they didn't actually get in, if they planned to get in. Remarkable. And this season had unfolded otherwise, and now we were trying to get ready for, hey, Ohio State's going to play its first game on January 12th. And now it's like, okay, well, everyone's interested in the playoff but they're going to play this Rose bowl season where the PAC 12 and the big 10 are starting now. Yes. It's not like the virus has gone away in a lot of ways. The virus is worse, but the vaccine is coming. You know what? I mean, maybe they would have figured out a way, honestly, the way this has gone, if that had been the plan, would anybody have been shocked if it would have been like, we're vaccinating all the players like that's part of the solution. Now that we're vaccinating frontline healthcare workers, elder care, home residents, and college football players. Yeah. I mean, that would not be shocking to me at all. Would, would, would that feel ridiculous? Would everybody be mocking the Big Ten? Like, oh, good luck with your little season. We're going to play the actual playoff now, you bunch of wusses. Or is there any part of that, if that's how it unfolded, would people be getting ready to be like, okay, well, this makes sense. Maybe they figured it out. They'll get the vaccine and they'll have a nice little two-month season here.
0: No, no, what well, we know now people would be laughing at the Big Ten because they didn 't even try to get through while the rest of the- co- or while the rest of college football got through and now we're in a playoff and they 'd applaud the fact that now they're getting these kids vaccinated and from a health standpoint that 's a great thing, but for you to not try we we kept saying it if it were if 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 the, if the s e c the a c c and big twelve don 't get through a season, the big Ten's a genius, but if they do, then it makes the big Ten look like even more of an idiot than they already do right now, and we would be looking at the big Ten. And, People who are already booing Kevin Warren, they would really be booing Kevin Warren if they see Alabama, Texas A&M, Clemson and Notre Dame in a playoff because we'd be having podcasts saying could Ohio State have beaten all four of these teams.
1: Well, and but the other interesting question is, you know, I hear what you're saying, Doug, as far as like the vaccinations and stuff, but I would that all be like, would they be restarting right now under these circumstances, if you're still basing it off of feeling like things were not good in the fall, things are worse now in a lot of places in the upper Midwest than they were back then. So if you're still basing it off of that medical decision, does are we are we looking at any kind of a season still going into January?
2: maybe they would have just bailed or maybe they would have pushed all the way to spring, you know, Mm -hmm. and try to play it in the spring football thing, which like was the Jeff Brown proposal. And then by then you certainly wouldn't have any of the NFL guys and it'd be playing a season with, you know, the top 30 players in the big 10 wouldn't be taking part in it because they'd be getting ready for the NFL draft. So, I mean, it's, you know, I, I, Steven, I think you're right because the thing that emerged is like Trevor Lawrence got COVID and nobody cared. Nick Saban got COVID and nobody cared. Not that nobody cared, but like nobody stopped. Nobody was like, oh my God, Nick Saban has COVID. We have to stop college football. They're like, we don't, we're fine. The best player and the best coach both got it and nobody cared. So that's the thing that emerged of there wasn't, during the course of the year, there really never emerged any idea in any kind of mainstream way of what are we doing? Why are we doing this? Nobody, people stopped asking that question. So that would have contributed. Now, I'm not sure that's right, but that's what happened. And that contributed to, Stephen, what you're saying of like the Big Ten would have been a laughing stock because nobody viewed it as, holy moly, look, we've had more than 100 games postponed and canceled. This is wild. Everybody just took it as like, wow, they fought through and they made it. Congratulations to everybody for making it through. So I think in the end, from a perception standpoint, the Big Ten probably did what it, what it had to do, and probably from a practical standpoint, too, because they got through. They didn't play Ohio State-Michigan. You know, it's one of those things like, hey, what would you say? Would you rather play? You know, that's one of those things. You throw it in. If you could do alternate universe, and you tell people, hey, listen, I know you don't love this January season, but if, if the Big Ten would have played in the fall, this is what would have happened. Ohio State only played six games, and Michigan-Ohio State got canceled. Are you sure you want that? over a, full, a January season, you know, but as it worked out, I think this is probably what had to be done. How would you guys
1: grade? This is a really maybe nebulous question. How would you guys grade the Big Ten season as far as just it's the accomplishment of it happening? Do you understand what I'm asking? Like what, what grade would you give what this Big Ten season ended up being? You had teams that played anywhere between, what, four or five, and some played all eight games, but you only had eight. You still had a big Ten championship game. You still are sending a team to the college football playoff. But obviously a lot more disruption, and uh, really you didn't you also didn't really when they restarted the season, it seemed like that was going to be a moment for like the, the conference to kind of come together, and then almost right away with the Wisconsin cancellations and then Nebraska not being able to play the non-conference game it wanted to, and then other things that happened later on and some of the rules that got changed that benefited Ohio State, even though those were, I think, common-sense rules. But, like, it seems like the angst only grew within the conference in some ways over these past two months. So, I guess, what grade would you give this 2020 Big Ten season for how it was pulled off?
0: C-minus. I can't give them any higher than the C. C-minus because, I mean, you got through – the best team in the conference is playing in the playoff, and I think we got a good idea and a good sense of who the best teams were in the Big Ten this year. Um, obviously, COVID ruined some of that, but for the most part, you found out who the best teams were this year, even if they only got a chance to play four four games. Um, but you can't give them any higher than a C- just because they gave no room for any wiggle room at all. So if you just lost a game, you just lost a game. And so you had to backtrack with a lot of different decisions that you made Initially, and I know you have to be fluid, but you didn't even give yourself a chance to be fluid in the first place is why you had to make these decisions. or Had had you started a week or two earlier, you could allow yourself some wiggle room. So when you don't give yourself wiggle room, you put yourself in a position to make yourself look even more stupid than you already did.
2: I think it's very hard to grade the Big Ten as a whole because Ohio State to me is like a separate grade and then there's everybody else. Because really the whole point of this is, can you get Ohio State into the playoff? So Ohio State got in the playoff. So that's like an A. But almost, if you said, I, I, I do think it's more like a B or a, you know, a, a B minus or maybe a C plus or something for the conference as a whole, because honestly, if you said to all 14 teams, was this season worth it? Was what you got out of this season better than nothing? How many teams behind up besides Ohio State would say, yes, this was better than nothing? I would argue, I'm not so sure there. I'd say there's maybe two or no more than three more that would say this is better than nothing.
1: I think Iowa, Nebraska, maybe, and Indiana. And maybe and North, North, no, Northwestern. Northwestern.
2: Yeah. And I was going to say Rutgers, too.
1: Yeah. So maybe because they got five. through a full that's... season and kind of got to thumb their nose at everybody who they said they were gonna game. bail after two. Yeah.
2: Obviously, they changed the culture of their program. They have a yeah. lot more hope. You Michigan
0: know? State's not wasn't good this year, but I mean it's the first year of a new head coach. So I throw them in there as well, him just getting his foot, his feet wet. Even if I disagree with most...
2: that. I I think he would have been happy to just practice or just like practice in the spring and and they didn't want to play and then they would have a couple of weird wins, but they have everybody transferring. I don't know. I mean, maybe that's more than I thought like Wisconsin. What did they get out of it? Nothing. Michigan, nothing. Penn state, nothing. Nebraska fought so hard. What'd they get out of it? Nothing. None of them are playing in bowls, Minnesota, nothing. Right. I mean, it's like the best team, you know, Indiana had a historic season. The best team got in the playoff. A couple other good programs had solid years and Rutgers revitalized itself a little bit, but, You know, as it turned out, if you would have told Penn State, again, this is what your season is going to turn out to be. Do you want to play? Do you really want to play or just want to punt, come back next year and and be back to normal? I don't know. I think they might take back to normal. And that's not – I don't mean to take away – that's from a program perspective. College football players who maybe are playing their last season, this is their lives. I don't want to be dismissive of that. So those guys had experiences they wouldn't have had otherwise. But, man you know trying to grade the conference they they uh, they accomplished the ultimate goal get a team in the playoff and the second ultimate goal is not have everybody think you're a bunch of idiots totally i guess but other than that they didn't accomplish that much
1: i would throw one more program on there from a cynical standpoint but illinois was going to have to pay its coach anyway and now it gets to fire him with less buyout so that's probably another team just mm-hmm. practically that i would throw on that list of people who got something out of this season but That's a a, a cynical way to look at things Uh, real quick before we're we're, going to take a break. We're going to come back to the, some of the more, the the individual predictions, but I wanted to ask kind of off of what we were just talking about, how much would Ohio state fans be looking forward to a January season right now? Because let's also remember, it would probably be a January season without almost certainly without Sean Wade and and White Davis, I think we can say, I mean, the guys who opted out already, um, and then had an opt to back end, but possibly Justin Fields, possibly some other really important players on this team. Uh, if if you had to just go watch a, a team – watch the whole playoff happen without you in the fall, and a team that should have been in that mix, and now you're just – you're getting this lesser winter season, what would kind of be the level of, I guess, just enthusiasm for the season, but also it, it's probably an emotion that's the other direction, right? It's not enthusiasm. It would – probably be something else. It'd probably be a really ugly taste in their mouth right now.
0: Happy to watch their team play, but at the same time, I don't think anybody would I think there would be a lot of dis, a lot more disdain for Kevin Warren if the national championship games on January eleventh, let's just say the season started the very next weekend. So you just had to watch somebody win a trophy that you think your team was good enough to go win. And now you get to go play in these meaningful meaningless games to have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl.
2: Yeah, I think I was really enthused about the January season and I think I was wrong I think they would Mm -hmm. not have any interest in it honestly it'd be like it'd be like slightly better spring football practice and I just don't think they'd be interested but as I I wrote at the time the decision that the Big Ten made was not really about the Big Ten they weren't going to be in control of whether the decision to cancel if they would have stayed cancel whether that looked good or bad it was going to come down to two things going to come down to the virus and it was going to come down to how the sec handled it how the sec and acc handled and you know made their decisions and i was wrong about that because it didn't come down to the virus because the virus went crazy and nobody stopped so the virus went about as bad as it could have gone right i mean to think i mean for the country as a whole for the world as a whole the virus has not been stopped the vi- we are the whole country is in uncontrolled virus spread so it's like if you thought like man if the virus goes crazy, then the Big Ten will look smarter by canceling. The virus rent went crazy, and if the Big Ten would have stayed canceled, nobody would say they're smart. That's where we are as a society. The virus went crazy, and everybody still wants sports. So would it come down to that the SEC got through? However they did it, some of it's good planning, some of it's just willing to deal with a bunch of guys getting it. They got through, and that would have made the Big Ten look bad, and that would have made the January season, and a lot of texters said it at the time, and I disagreed with it, it would have made the January season look like a JV season. I thought there was a way it could have worked. I really did. Big Ten, Pac-12, play for the Rose Bowl, make your case, just back away, learn from what everybody else does with the virus, and I was wrong. I was wrong. It, they really would have been in a bad spot if they, right now if they would have stayed canceled.
1: Yeah, I didn't give a grade earlier, um, and I because I think the actual answer probably is pass/fail. It probably isn't a letter grade just based on this pandemic. Or if it's a letter grade, the curve is so like maybe it is a C minus, like Steven said, but actually on the curve, you can't get lower than a B or something. Like it's just it's a pandemic, and I I, I know mistakes were made, but I also know that they played a football season and Ohio State's going to the playoff. And and those are, are ended up being, I think, positive things for a lot of people. Let's take a break there. We're going to come back from Buckeye Talk. Uh, we'll come after the break and talk about some more of our individual predictions from a season of Market Down Monday. We are back on Buckeye Talk. It was kind of crazy looking back through those how often we did Market Down Mondays that were directly related to – things going on with the virus. It was something that we couldn't really get away from. It was, Market on Monday was almost supposed to be a thing that could get us away from that, but it was still sort of impossible because it was a way to, to talk about a lot of those topics. And it's going to affect what we're about to talk about, but I think we should we should avoid, because it we, we made a lot of individual predictions about statistics or, or leaders or, or occurrences, and their effect. the end result is affected by the fact that they lost games, missed games. But we should try to talk about what actually happened on the field more than than that, than, than the reason why the numbers weren't the same. So the first one of these that we did that was statistical was June 1st. This was the third episode. Who will lead Ohio State in sacks? And there were – I remember lo- looking back at the – Stevens already laughing. I remember oh, no. looking back at the – there were, I think, four players who received at least 14% of the vote from our tech subscribers. I think there were two kind of runaway – leaders. I didn't go back and look that up. Here were the people that we gave. Uh, Doug, you said Zach Harrison with eight. I said Zach Harrison with 7.5. Zach Harrison ended up with two sacks. So if you were to extrapolate that over a 12-game season, prorated over a 12-game season, that would have been four sacks. That's tough to do. There's other things that affect it, but that's what it would have been. Steven, you picked Baron Browning with 10. If you uh he actually had zero. If you uh prorate that over a twelve game season, that is still Thanks. zero. <laughs>
0: Thanks, <Nathan. laughs> David. Doug,
1: Thanks. Doug's <laughs> quote from this particular episode was quote, I think picking him to lead the team in sacks is ludicrous. Now, as it turned out, this was a bizarre season um as as it came to this front line. The the defensive line, I think, was um I would say better than we thought it was probably gonna be on June first, and especially the performance from the tackles. And Tommy Togiai had three sacks at Penn State, second game of the season on on Halloween, and Tommy Toggei led this team in sacks with three. So nobody that we picked in a, in a much lower total than we picked and a much different way to get to it than we did. But I do think it is worth pointing out that, you know, at the time we saw two runaway – well, some of us did – saw two runaway choices for this. It was going to be Zach Harrison or Tyreek Smith. And those guys did not have nearly the – like finishing off sacks, pass rush, impact that we thought they were going to have back in May.
2: No, I think that the the sack totals and all the stuff with the defensive line we talked about all year is so muddled. It's hard, like, to say that you were wrong on this because there's so much, like, there's no real right answer, right? That The idea that, well, the correct answer is Tommy, Tommy Togiai. He only had three in six games, and they were all in the same game. It's like Tommy Otokia had one good game, and that was enough to lead the team in sacks. That's crazy. So I think the thing we come away from this is, like, the only thing that is a factual thing is that Baron Browning was a ludicrous answer. Everything else is is free game. (laughs) That clearly, in the moment and as proven out, was never going to happen.
0: In my defense, I would like to defend myself first. At the time that we did this pod, Baron Browning was not the Sam linebacker. He was the Will linebacker. And because I knew we were going to do this, I went to go look at how many sacks Pete Warner had, and he had one sack. So he would have had two sacks by this logic. If, if, had they not switched positions, and Pete Warner would have stayed at Sam, and Baron Browning would have been at Will, like we all thought he was going to be at the time, that, that's what I was basing my answer off of. Still ludicrous, but – I also made it with the thought process that he was going to be the linebacker who can just see ball, get ball, and not be the guy who has to be in coverage all the time. Yeah, Yeah, but
2: that's not getting sacks. That's still not getting sacks. Yeah,
0: Yeah, but I think it's a difference between being muddled in with the rest of the pack at one sack while everybody else has two and two and a half or one and a half versus you just didn't have any sacks, but you also just weren't in a position to get any sacks.
2: To be in, fair, we were having a lot of conversations about Baron Browning as a rush end. Back
1: yeah, then. exactly. I was about to say back on May on, back on June first. Even those of us who thought that picking Baron Browning to have ten sacks was far fetched, thank you. We all, I think, thought that they would use him more as a rush end this year, because I don't think we thought of him yet as a full time Sam. Now I will say, when we did see them in the spring, Pete Werner was playing some will. He did play some will in the practice that we saw. So that didn't end up being like a complete surprise that he ended up turning into the full-time will. I just don't know that we thought of Baron Browning necessarily as being the obvious answer at Sam. And once they moved him there, that's when it seemed uh, truly tough for him to end up leading this team in sacks. And as it turned out, like how many times have they used him as a rush in this year? None. Like it, like I don't know if there's been any snap. I mean, there might've been a snap here or there, but it's not, it's been very, very, very rare. Because his, they just have him doing other things. And they have other defensive ends. When they go to the Rushman package, they just use other defensive ends. And Togiai, usually. And that's, that's the Rushman package this year.
2: And in the end, I mean, it really is, in prorating these stats, Chase Young, because he missed the two games last year, he only played 12 games in the 14-game season. He had 16 and a half sacks in 12 games. If we double, so Jonathan Cooper among the ends. And I think it is still always fair, the tackles on the ends, they, they're so, such different deals. Jonathan Cooper led among the ends with two and a half sacks. So he would have had five. Mm-hmm. So they went from their best end having 16 and a half sacks to their best end having five. And the one thing we all did for sure is, and I was more wrong on this than anybody, is I underrated Jonathan Cooper. I underrated the level of play from Jonathan Cooper this year, and I did not consider him. So he led among the ends. The toge, I think, is such a weird deal. It's one game. It's only three sacks. I mean, really, it is to me almost kind of like Jonathan Cooper led the team in sacks, and I was not there at all in thinking about him. But, man, I mean, if we would have played a normal season, you would have been like, oh, yeah, they're, they're – and they got five sacks. Yeah, I mean, that's if, crazy. If
1: this, if this question had just been which defensive lineman will lead this team in sacks, none of us would have picked Togiai, I don't think. Mark, um, well, I know we would have because two of us still picked de- defensive ends. And if we'd even picked which defensive end will lead – the defensive ends in sacks I don't think any of the three of us would have picked Jonathan Cooper
0: no that's crazy one because I mean we're bringing up you brought up the 16 sacks in 2019 let's just the year before the leader had 10 and still chased he had double-digit sacks still um I do think part of the reason we didn't think of Jonathan Cooper we also didn't think he would lead this team at snaps right we thought that he would be the fifth guy in that rotation, just given the talent and how things kind of operate at Ohio State at this point, he ends up being far away. The the leading guy and all those other four kind of muddled into one spot.
2: Yeah. Missing the Cooper breakout. And there were some texters who vehemently disagreed with us on this. Mm -hmm. thought We were crazy for underrating Jonathan Cooper and they owned us on that idea. I absolutely underrated Jonathan Cooper from the jump on this.
1: There were definitely, and I, I didn't go back and look, but I, I remember there being texters who picked Jonathan Cooper to lead this team in sacks. So, so good on them. They were out in front of that. Um, who will lead this team in interceptions? That was the June 22nd topic. And this one is much tougher because interceptions sometimes happen, not because of skill, I'm not saying that there isn't a skill to, you know, having ball skills as a defensive back, but it's more opportunity. It's right place at right time. Sometimes and it's a tougher thing to predict. You can be a great defensive back. Jeff Okuda was a tremendous defensive back and, and that, you know, was not getting a lot of interceptions. So partially because they didn't throw to his side of the field very much. So Sean Wade led this.
2: Mostly, literally. mostly because they didn't throw to his side of the field. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Correct. Sean Wade led this team in interceptions with two. They all came in the last three games. So the second half of the season, if you played a full season, you could extrapolate that up to four is what he now have now over 12 games. None of us picked Sean Wade. We actually all picked the same player. Do you remember who?
0: Josh Proctor. Josh Proctor. And we were literally a dropped interception away from that being true.
1: Proctor had – we all – it's Nathan uh, – Stephen and I both said – no, Doug and Stephen both said four, and I said five just to be different um, with Josh Proctor. Obviously, the the big difference between what we thought of Josh Proctor on June 22nd and what we saw of him on October 24th was – he was not in the starting lineup on October 24th. And back on June 22nd, we were still very much in a world where Josh Proctor was the next single high, the next free safety, starting free safety alone back there on this team. And that was something that over those four months really changed our, just our, our understanding of what was going on at that position.
0: And yet still,
2: <laughs> I mean the, the interception that Proctor had against Northwestern yeah. where he jumps the sideline route as the quarterback scrambling and just makes a play on the ball. That was the play that we were right about. That's yep. what we all thought would happen four or five times this year. He's a playmaker. He's going to read something happening. He's going to go for it and make a play. It's just he wasn't playing that role for most of the year. And then when he did play it, it was like, aha, that is what we were waiting for.
0: Uh, he was uh, Literally, in that Big Ten championship game, he was everything that you loved and feared about Josh Proctor being your single-high safety. took a bad angle, and it was almost a touchdown run. But then he also had one dropped interception that could have been a pick six. And he had the other one where he jumped the pass to get an interception. So everything that we thought Josh Proctor would be as a single-eye safety, we saw. It's just we didn't get to see it for six games.
1: If we had picked back on June 22nd, if we had marked it down Monday on what will Ohio State's starting lineup be at every position on October – well, we didn't know it was going to be October 24th at that point. But when the season starts, I think we would have been right – at almost every position except the secondary, and then we would have been really wrong on the secondary. I think we knew we obviously knew Sean Wade. I think we were pretty sure that Seven Banks was going to be a starting defensive back at that point. I do not think any of us would have predicted Marcus Williamson to be the starting slot cornerback, and I don't think any of us would have predicted Marcus Hooker to be the starting free safety.
0: Uh, would Cam Brown getting hurt really messes that up. I wonder well, but he if wasn't he wasn't
1: starting before that.
0: No, he wasn't, but I think had they been able to get through a whole season, he was the third down slot corner at that point. Had he not gotten hurt and they had some other options at slot, would he have maybe taken that starting spot just for the sake of personnel changes, especially after that Indiana game? Obviously, we don't know that because he got hurt. But he was in that – when they when it was time, when it was a clear passing situation, he was the slot corner on the field.
1: That's sure. a fair yep. question to ask. Um, but but as far as, like, what we would have been predicting for opening day, we oh, were, yeah, that, was, that was the one area of the team that we still, going into mid-October, were still – the most wrong about
2: yeah but I, to the point it's to Stephen's point it's very possible that if cam brown wasn't hurt and just like we still don't know exactly because like marcus hooker's been unavailable and that's why some of this proctor hooker stuff it's like proctor was out for michigan state then they didn't play then hooker was out for northwestern and proctor played so what is it really we don't exactly know but i think to Stephen's point it's very possible by the clemson game if cam brown was healthy the starting lineup in the secondary finally would have actually matched what we predicted beforehand, which is Banks and Wade outside, Brown in the slot, Proctor at deep safety. But it just didn't match it on October 24th.
1: Let's mark it down Thursday. Who will lead Ohio State in interceptions in 2021?
2: Legend Cavazos.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Why not? Your name is Legend Cavazos. We're just going to pick you. Or Lathan (laughs) Ray. I'll go with one of those
1: two. Couldn't it just be Josh Proctor? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it could
0: maybe, be. Yeah. <laughs> he just goes for like nine interceptions.
1: <laughs> I, I think he better get the <laughs> two before we start giving yeah. him nine. But uh, it, it's it's he's a, he's to me a very fascinating guy. Like, what did we learn? What did I guess more to the point? What did the coaching staff learn about that position in 2020? And then how does that um, color what they're going to do in 2021? And we may get an idea of that on January 1st when they finally play the sugar bowl. But I'm, I'm really curious and, and, and it's going to depend on who's available that day too. We don't know for sure how long Marcus hooker might be out and, and some of the other dynamics that are going on a safety, but um, that I'm, I'm really intrigued by who lines up there that day and how much.
2: I'm very curious when we get to next year and spring football and if things are kind of normal, or at least if by next fall, things are kind of normal, how we talk about this year, and if we just are constantly talking about whether this year's a mulligan for guys, it's like, well, you know, Hey, Carrie, last year, Josh Proctor did this, then he did this. And then he tried this and he looked good at this, but what about this? And if they're just like, I, I don't care, you know, like we're, mm-hmm. we're just not really evaluating all that. You know what I mean? Like it's going to be hard for us to discuss and figuring out what they're going to do. Cause it's so jumbled. It might just be like, okay, let's just pretend all these guys are starting from square one and see who battles it out in August.
1: So a week before we did the interceptions, we had another question on the other side of the ball. On June 15th, will Trey Sermon be first-team All-Big Ten? Now, the important thing to remember here for context is we thought Master Teague was certainly not going to be ready for the start of the season at that point. And I think there was question whether he'd be able to play in 2020. He had torn his Achilles at the start of the spring. That is a injury that usually keeps guys out for a while. And even when they do come back, they don't always have uh, for, I mean, for an unfortunate turn of phrase, the spring in their step that they normally would. And we've seen other guys at Ohio state maybe come back too early from that same injury and it costs them in terms of their performance on the field. And we, so all those things were factored into that. Plus we also had not actually seen Sermon play football. We'd seen some clips and stuff on, uh, but we hadn't seen him uh, up close in, in person. So on June 15th, we, and I think, actually, Stephen might have been on vacation because I could not find him on this podcast. So it was just I Doug and been. I both saying no, that he would not be first-team All-Big Ten. And actually, he ended up being third-team All-Big Ten from at least one of the votes. I can't remember if it was both media and coaches, but he was he was, he did make the list. Um, that's one guy who maybe – is there anybody on this team whose opinion – we, our opinion of them changed as much from the beginning of the season to the end, even in this short six-game season.
0: Did those awards come out, I can't remember, pre-Big Ten Championship game or
2: no. post. post? They come out
0: after? Okay. Yeah. I think some people fell in love with what he did in the Big Ten Championship game. Well, there also
2: weren't very many good backs in the Big Ten. That's true. Yeah. It
1: was really tough to find third-team guys to vote for.
2: Did That's you vote him third-team, Nathan?
1: I don't remember. Let me look at my list.
2: So I would imagine what we said when you and I said that in June about Trey Sermon, I imagine my answer was not no, it was heck no. Because as everybody knows, I was just not on the Trey Sermon bandwagon at all. And I think the important thing to remember here is that I just had questions about him. I mean, this is one of the things I was right about. I just thought he made a lot of his yards in the big 12 against bad defenses late in games when he had giant holes. And I had questions about him making tough yards, finding holes and that kind of thing in the big 10. And that's what he had trouble with for the first four games that's what he had trouble with and ryan day said the same thing and then he got a lot better at the end of the year so it's a hard read it's like i mean what are we gonna sit here and be like yeah no i mean i i'm kind of just taking that 331 yards in the big (laughs) 10 championship game as like a luck a lucky day so no my opinion hasn't i mean i'm not gonna be that guy I mean, my God, it was an unbelievable performance and it wasn't only holes. I mean, he had lots of room to run, but he did a lot on his own. He made guys miss, he broke tackles, he ran hard. He he had a little shimmy to him when he got to the second level. He did a lot of work and he gained a lot of respect. It just wasn't there. So he was better in the big 10 championship game than I ever thought he would show at Ohio state. But the beginning of the season was exactly what I thought it would be at Ohio state. And I will say, just because it happened in the big 10 championship game, the way that game unfolded and what he did, I'm not necessarily expecting that same exact level of performance against Clemson possible. I'm not throwing it out, but I, to me, I mean, he's not JK Dobbins yet to me. He's not Ezekiel Elliott at that level yet of like, Oh yeah, I'm sure Trey Sermon's going to dominate, but it's one of the weirdest. I mean, this is one of those 50 years from now. It's going to be like, Who's was, the all who has the single game record? Yeah.
1: I was literally just about to say that you could probably win 15 years from now you could probably win a bar bet against a pretty big Ohio State football fan mm-hmm. by having them guess who's the all-time single game leading rusher. It's, Think of all the Eddie, running backs in this yeah. pro, like Archie Griffin Ezekiel, uh, Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott
0: Beanie Wells I mean Eddie
1: George like all the Eddie, all the running backs in this Historic program, and Trey Sermon has that record right now.
0: Eddie George is a Heisman Trophy winner, and he's seen back-to-back seasons where one of his records has fallen in somebody who doesn't have a single individual award for running
1: backs. So, one quick correction: this we did actually vote for this before Big Ten championship game, if, if I remember okay. now, because it was it came out the week, the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, leading into the Big Ten championship game. So, we okay. did vote for it before that game. Um, I, I, I don't know if, if his pro football focus numbers 13? might have helped.
2: He got third team without the 331-yard rushing thing? I believe yeah,
1: that's, so. That's uh, But, again, it's just it's, – it's No, like you drove back
2: – You drove back Saturday, and then Sunday morning had to get up and do your ballot for all Big Ten. And you were like, oh, I forgot to do it, and they were bugging me. Hey, send in your Big Ten ballot. No? My,
1: this vote says December 13th. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was definitely... This this past weekend, I was awake doing other things early in the morning. It wasn't this ballot. If I had had to do this ballot this past Sunday, it probably wouldn't have got done. I was okay. doing too many other things. So it was definitely the week going into um, Big Ten Championship game. Why
2: do we, we vote on all this stuff in the middle of the year? God, everybody's so freaking... That is crazy. And it's like the regular... I mean, Steven's whole point is regular season stats. It's not like it's Big Ten. Okay. because no. he,
0: yeah. he leads his team in rushing now, but... He was Matt strategy was blowing him away. So, we well,
1: you know what's especially dumb about it is, um, you know, I'm corrected. Actually, he wasn't. He wasn't third team All Big Ten. I, okay, I, I, I he shouldn't. I okay, yeah. know what he was. Hey. Uh, he was not third team All Big Ten. What I'm what I am remembering is he was one of the two running backs on Pro Football Focus's first team All Big Ten. But that was after the Big Ten. That Champions was after because yeah, yeah, That 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 makes yes.
0: sense.
1: Yes. Um makes more sense, yeah. So um yeah. I, I and it's you know what especially makes no sense about voting after the Big Ten Championship game this year was that the Big Ten Championship game was not the only game going on that weekend. You had a whole nother week of games. Um man, these people who do these awards, the big the all big ten this year was as I've said before, something of a fiasco. The the Heisman trophy is really, I don't know why all these votes all these awards are terrible. We should do our own awards for all these things and just not even recognize all the other people. We should do it. We should do a postseason poll just like we do a preseason poll and just ignore the other postseason polls.
2: Yeah, let's do it. Why not? By, by
1: which you mean, go ahead.
2: Yeah, you're in charge. On July sixth, on
1: July sixth, will Ohio State have two thousand yard receivers in 2020? Seventy-eight point two percent of our tech subscribers voted no, and that was even based on. a a more, a a fuller season. I don't know if we knew exactly then that they would not be able to play 12 games, but that there was still going to be a pretty substantial season. Uh, Two members of our staff voted yes. More, one person voted no. Did you vote no? I voted no. I actually, my exact quote was, it's more likely that they have zero than they have two. But that was, again, still based on a full season. Obviously, with only six games, there was really... No chance that somebody would get to a thousand yards.
2: Of course, but if you double it, they both got to a thousand. So I think the oh, correct yeah. answer on this is yes. Yeah. Because Olave, even only playing five, mm-hmm. is would if you doubled it. So Olave, mm-hmm. if you if you doubled it, would have a thousand fifty-six and he missed a yep. whole game. And Garrett, if you doubled it, would have one thousand two hundred and forty-two. So like this is a resounding yes for everybody who voted yes.
0: And I mean I, that would have been a yes after the first game of seeing it. I would have been, we'd have been validated and not just seeing how they use guys. It was, okay, if Justin throws it 25 times, 18 of those are going to go to Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave, and, you know, the other ones will sprinkle in everybody.
1: I will say, if you, if, if you are just doubling it, yeah, you would get to – but if you think that the pandemic was going to influence how many games were played, I still think no is a viable answer.
2: That did come true.
0: It is, but since we're like putting it in a twelve game
2: scale. But I, I don't think that's how we were thinking about it in July. No, I really we weren't. don't think we were figuring like, we like, out what up? if they only play seven games. I think we were, that we're point,
0: thinking that, in a normal that, season. At that point the argument was whether they were going to be able to do it because they used a six man rotation.
1: Well now hold on yeah. a second though. Hold on a second though. The previous week we had done how many regular season games Ohio State play and Doug had said eight and Steven had said nine. So weren't you basing your thousand yard prediction no. off of either eight or nine games? No,
0: because I think we made a rule that we couldn't keep doing that because at some, it's just a downer at that point. At some point, we just had to have a regular football discussion. And so when we were talking about who was going to lead teams and having certain stat numbers, we just threw that out and put it in regular terms. I think, I think it would have been fair. fun.
1: It would be fun to have seen them play even just eight or nine games. To have seen them play a full Mm -hmm. eight-game season and see what some of these stats would have looked like, I think would have been interesting. And I think if you give Justin Fields, as I wrote for a thing this morning, if you give him the Illinois game, the Maryland game, and the Michigan game, he might still be a Heisman finalist even with those two bad games because I think he would have had some performances that would have offset that dud in the big Ten championship game. And it might not have been quite as bad of a dud if he'd been able to play and get in a rhythm and have his usual full season, so – Um, Now, obviously, Chris Olave, the way things turned out, would have also missed at least the extra game at the end of the season. But um, just one little thing. Chris
0: Olave might honestly still have been on pace had he played in the Big Ten Championship game because he's averaging 100-plus yards a game, and you're saying three more games of that, and he's at 621 right now. No, Garrett Wilson, I'm sorry. If Garrett Wilson hadn't played so
2: bad – or
0: not played bad, but just had a better game in the Big Ten Championship.
2: Garrett Wilson still might get to 1,000. Is it impossible yeah. that Garrett Wilson has like 380 receiving yards in the next few no. games if Ohio State has a national championship game? It's it not, not 0%. No. Way.
0: Not he likely, is, but yeah. not 0%. Especially in the way this team likes to start games with big plays of like Garrett Wilson all the time. Yeah, it's definitely.
2: I, I think it's very
1: plausible if they get hooked up with Alabama because Alabama is kind of a, a team that wins oh, yeah. shootouts. So um, not, not exclusively, but with some regularity. So if you can get into a – 52 to 48 game with Alabama I bet both those receivers are going to have some receiving yards he might be able to get 380 in one game yeah um mark it down Thursday for 2021 will Ohio State have 2,000 yard receivers in 2021
0: no no but I'm going to mark it down that the reception yards record might get broken
2: we what gotta see right? how the quarterbacks play. Because it's about your quarterback. I mean, part of yeah. Mac Jones has had a great year. We have to see if the Ohio State quarterback and he very well might be. Again, young quarterbacks playing really well right away is not is is now common in college football. It's not like it would be a shock, you know. So but we just gotta see who it is. We gotta see who it is and how they look. So um by by next August, by by the time you make an actual pick on that, Steven, like a week or two before the 2021 regular season you'll have a really good sense of like whether that's yeah. on the board because but from a garrett perspective yes could garrett wilson break single season ohio state receiving but is records he, absolutely yeah. but is we have quarterback going to
0: gonna let him do yeah. it yeah i agree
1: over under 1500 yards for garrett wilson in
2: 2021 i go over
0: uh, yeah i mean the record in a season is 1,435. i'd say
2: over I mean, if I had to guess now, I go over. I mean, like, because again, they play, you know, plays fourteen games, and yeah, he gonna average like a one hundred and eight receiving yards per game? I I bet that.
1: You you assume they're gonna play fourteen games. You're assuming a full twelve game regular season. You're assuming that they're a playoff team. Assuming oh, that things. Get I don't want to
0: have it, a panic. Yeah, pan. assuming things are normal, and at well, bare but, minimum, they're playing in a bowl game, even if it's not the playoff. Yes, that's
2: true. Okay, also they do play.
0: 1500 yards
2: 13 or
1: 14. Yeah. Yeah. Devonta Smith has 15, 11 and 11 games right now.
0: Yeah. So if, yeah, as long as one of those three quarterbacks is, he didn't even have to be Mac Jones level for that to happen. As long as he's a pretty good quarterback, I have
1: faith that Garrett Wilson will get those numbers. I think he can get in 14 games. I don't think he's going to do what Devonta Smith is doing and get it in 11. Devonta Smith almost has a hundred catches right now, which I mean, next year, maybe they have to do that with him, but that would be a little bit surprising. We're going to take another break there. We're going to come back and recap a couple more topics and then um, maybe just do some some speculation on where things go from here on Buckeye Talk. All right, back on Buckeye Talk. Uh, there were some questions that are, are still kind of hanging out there that are, are pretty fun. Uh, May 25th, this is the second one we did. Which quarterback will win Ohio State's next national championship? Now, this was before Quinn Ewers committed to Ohio State, which happened, as you guys might remember, live on Buckeye Talk. Yeah. He didn't commit live on Buckeye Talk. It happened during a live Buckeye Talk recording. Um, but I do believe, actually, one of our texters at the time threw him out as the, yeah. as the answer way before, back when he was still committed to Texas. So I thought yeah. that was kind of fun. It might have even been before he committed to Texas. Um, Doug, you remember who you picked? Justin. You picked Justin Fields in 2020. You were the only one of us who picked Justin Fields in 2020, which is strange because then like a few months later, we all picked Ohio state to win the national championship. So uh, we didn't really call ourselves out on that for, for some reason, Steven, you remember what your answer was uh, the quarterback in the year.
0: Yeah, Kyle McCord. 2022.
1: That's correct. And hey. I picked, and I picked Kyle McCord in 2023. And all those answers still be true.
0: Yeah, that's weird.
1: I- that- that's maybe the only, yeah. that's one of the few ones that we, could, we picked that long ago where all the answers are still plausible.
0: Yeah, but also you're right. I don't understand how none of us called each other out because for saying that Ohio State was going to win a national championship but that Justin Fields wouldn't be the next quarterback. It's
2: because we don't remember anything. That's true. We don't remember what we say That's why, why we mark it down. That's yeah.
1: why you mark it down so
2: it's marked yeah. down. It's you're down the- on a mark. But we don't, but no one we writes it thing. down. Yeah, we no, as I found
1: out over the last 24 hours. Yeah. I went back we were, through all these we podcasts. Were awful at this. By the way, this wasn't really a
0: mark it change. down. It was, more, it was more like just pencil it in lightly so you could erase it later and add, add a different answer.
1: No, it was more like mark it down, but then just like wad up the piece of paper and throw it in the back of your closet and maybe yeah. you'll go find it in six months, <laughs> which is uh, the exercise I've been going through. And uh, I don't think we're going to do it that way in 2021. I think we might have a better system, we may this have a better happened. filing system.
0: This is what happens when you go to five podcasts
1: a week. No, this is what happens when you don't put any strategic thought into this. We knew we were going to come back to this. And yet I still was just tossing, just, just leaving it to chance, leaving it to this kind of research that I had to know I'd have to do it at the last second. Uh, would you, any
2: of you revise your answer? I would. I mean, do I think right now as we sit here that Ohio State's going to win the national championship this year? No, I do not. Not not still a week before the game. Um, I might revise that idea. Again, whenever we talk about picks and stuff, it's like, I think you're allowed to work out your process and think about things before you're on the spot to make your actual pick. At the moment, if I was answering this question, I would not answer Justin Fields 2020. I would go more with what one of your two answers.
0: I'm keeping mine because he's actually signed. Um, And there's a whole year left before... Quinn Ewers has to put his name on a piece of paper.
1: At some point, we will do a Market Down Monday as to who will be Ohio State's starting quarterback
2: on opening day 2021, whenever opening day turns out to be. Um, I will say the Quinn Ewers commitment, I think, lessens the chances of you guys being right. Because it it cracks the door on Kyle McCord, like now not being here long-term because he loses out in the job race to the guy one class behind him. Yep. So it, it at the very least complicates the answer in a way, because when you guys answered that question that way, that back then Kyle McCord was Quinn Ewers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. were, you were, you Kyle McCorded Jack Miller and CJ Stroud, the way that Quinn Ewers might Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord right now.
0: And so part of the reason, and none of us picked Kyle McCord in year one with Quinn Ewers, I think there's the crack the door open of can this kid win it as a true freshman because of the way he's talked about. And if you watch his film, the way he looks.
2: Which is if you would ask the Clemson beat, you know what I mean? Like in 2000, whatever, yeah. and it's like, Oh, and the answer would have been like Trevor Lawrence has a true freshman in 2018. And it's like, and he didn't even start the year as the, as the starting quarterback mm-hmm. that year, but that was the right answer. That's the kind of thing that is a wonderfully complicated, interesting way to think about it.
1: On August 17th, so this is right before, um, right right, kind of in the, in the thick of things, we, we picked would Ohio State football have won the 2020 national championship. Um, so kind of a reverse market down Monday or a, a more theoretical market down Monday than we usually do. Um, and we all said yes. And, Doug, you're already saying, as you sit here right now, you don't think Ohio State wins the national championship. I agree. I think Alabama wins the national championship. In 2021, Stephen, where or 2020, I should say, Stephen, where do you sit?
0: I'm leaning Bama. I'm not going to confidently make that pick yet.
2: Well, and the one thing about this, and I don't remember when we got into this, but we definitely talked about angry Bama at at mm-hmm. times in the off season and the idea of like sort of like who's the biggest challenger for Ohio State. When actually, I mean. It's through our Ohio State lens. Ohio State's the challenger. They haven't won a national title from 2014. It's not about Clemson and Bama aren't challenging Ohio State. Ohio State's challenging them. But if you thought, okay, who's the most likely, the toughest hurdle? It was sort of like, well, Clemson's Clemson, right? But Bama had a little bit of a step back gear. How good is their quarterback? But you think they're going to be mad. And so it turns out like, you know, I actually don't know if they're mad. They're pretty fricking good though. Now their defense gives up stuff just like almost every defense in the country does. So it's not infallible. I think they still have a lot of individual talent on that defense, but they have crazy receiver talent, crazy offensive line talent, crazy running back talent, and their quarterback has played better than anybody would have imagined. So the idea I know in a world where I think some people, I don't know, I think it was just easy in some places to kind of have questions about Alabama in the off season, and look, a lot of this is like Ohio State and Clemson. You know, we were we talked a lot about like, you know, Bama might be ready to remind people who they are. That's exactly what this season has been about. Yeah. I actually
1: think if you go back and listen to that podcast, um, which people can do, because we're going to have a little bit, bit of a break from the pod here for a couple of days. So if you want to just go back and listen to all these Market Down Mondays and, and reminisce about our uh, stupidity. Um, I, but one thing I did say at the time was we were talking about Angry Bama, and I, I said like, I also think, like, they just might be the best team. Like, they might, this might just be a collection of talent that nobody can match this year. And I think that's, that, to me, has kind of been the theme of that. It wasn't – I don't know that I've – maybe that's been an underlying thing there because we've been following them from afar. We don't, we're not there in the backyard. But when I look at Alabama, it's more, to me, just like, oh, you mean the team that, like, just recruits the very best players every year now they're all just here? I mean, to, to lose Waddle but still be this, this explosive on that side of the ball that, that, to me, is just what this season is. I mean, they've just been just, uh, just a phenomenal collection of talent that executes. They and, are yeah, far
0: away the best team in college football, the most complete team in college football. But for whatever reason, I'm not 100% sold yet. Because we've seen year after year the best complete team in college football end up not winning the national championship. I think Alabama was better than Clemson in 2018. It's just Clemson had the better quarterback and just had the better night. I, I, so I'm not. I, I like I said, leaning Bama hardly, but I don't know if I'm 100 percent sold yet.
1: Are you I thinking though? It's, it's it's Clemson if it's not Bama.
0: Yeah. Right now, yeah.
1: What? So what? As we look, we already talked about like the quarterback for next year. I'm trying to think ahead to like what the, the big market down Mondays of the offseason for Ohio State are going to be. But, you know, who the starting quarterback is the obvious
2: one. Who will lead them in rushing? I mean, I think we have to make a decision about like, are you all in on Trivion Henderson? Do you think mm-hmm. Master Teague is still going to be a guy that they're going to rely upon a lot? I think I think that's a big part of it. I think we return to like, the, who's going to lead them in sacks yeah. is going to be another one of like, all right, well, Jonathan Cooper's gone, so yeah. now what do you think of Tyreek Smith and Zach Harrison and Jack Sawyer coming in and Tyler, you know, like Tyler Friday and and whomever else, and you know, is Teron Vincent and whatever? I mean, I, I think. I think that defensive line question of who really are they going to have a chase young at all type of dude again, or is it going to be more by committee and how does all that work out? I think like who leads the team in tackles is going to be a big thing because we're not going to know exactly who the deep safety is going to be. And the linebackers are all going to be new. So that's going to be fascinating. It's like how this linebacker thing shakes out with, I mean, a year from now, we're going to be talking about, oh, yeah, I think Dallas Gant's going to lead Ohio State in tackles. It means, like, Dallas Gant, who, like, has not gotten to play practically at all his whole career, but probably is, is obviously the starting middle linebacker next year. Like, that's going to be a fascinating discussion about who really the playmakers are going to be on defense because, you know, I mean, what if your answer is Cody Simon? What if your answer is Mitchell Melton? What if was, you're in, you know? I mean, what if your answer is Court Williams? I don't know. There's a lot of interesting guys in a mix like that.
1: I, think, I was just about to say, I think just, just to mark it on Monday, on who, who are Ohio State's three starting linebackers on opening day next year is going to get some varied answers, probably. You at can this
0: say point. The same, I feel like you can say the same thing about the offensive line, too. Who are the five starters? Uh, we know Nicholas oh, yeah. Petit Frere and Harry Miller, but outside of that, I mean, we can sit here and say maybe it's Paris Johnson at the other tackle spot. but we don't know that for sure because we've seen five stars who we thought were going to be starters in year two because it's deep fair and he wasn't. So there's a market to pick your five starters and then who's the sixth six lineman.
2: And I do think if you go in a world where it's like, who will lead Ohio state in receiving after Garrett Wilson, right? I mean, yeah. Garrett Wilson's right. such an obvious Garrett Wilson is, is the only obvious answer on the offense next year. Mm-hmm. And everything else is like, I don't know. It could be Julian Fleming. It could be Jamison Williams. It could be, It could be Cameron Babb. It could be like, we don't know. Right. I mean, you don't know. And as much as like, I mean, honestly, I think like right now, if you said to me, if obviously Garrett Wilson is the most sure thing among all Ohio State skill players in 2021, who's second, I think my answer would be a guy who's in high school. Like that's where we are, that my answer would be Travion Henderson. It doesn't mean that they're not talented. It's just I don't know how the rest of this is going to work out with everybody. And this year, it's going to make next year harder to evaluate because nobody got as much of a look this year. That's not just media. That's coaches a little bit too.
0: Yeah, because usually you could use that Miami of Ohio game or whatever MAC opponents are playing to do that. can't do that this year. So you got to go off of a Big Ten championship game where some guys had to play because your starters weren't there.
1: What are some market downs that are kind of still hanging out there? Do do any of these tight ends, the top three tight ends, come back next year? Either Rucker returning from the draft or either of these two seniors deciding they want another year?
0: Uh, I think one comes back. I'm not sure which one, though, but it's between Rucker and Hausman. And I think Ohio State knows that, too, and that's why they went away from trying to get a second tight end in this class.
2: I wonder – how this is gonna work out across college football with how many guys are there who are gonna come back for a sixth year or a fifth unexpected year where you honestly have just played like a full normal four-year college football career. And it's just that one of those years was the pandemic year. And so whatever, you only got six games or if you're at other schools, you got 10 games or whatever, but it still doesn't count. And you're just like, I'll take it. Freebie year of college football? freebie year of you know i work on my master's degree whatever like Mm -hmm. i'm not you know whatever i mean if you're going to the nfl then i just think most guys who have any nfl hopes are not doing that that you're not coming back for a sixth if you're like pretty sure like i'm not good enough to play in the nfl maybe i'll bounce around in a practice squad now i'll try to go to camp but i actually don't think i'm gonna do that i'm gonna go be have a regular job it's like well if i can play football one more year i'll take it i'm just really fast to see how that works out or if you're a guy who thinks like well i'm not really an nfl prospect yet i'll come back one more year and try to prove it right so ruckert's decision is a normal college decision mm-hmm. he's a talented guy he's a junior will he come back for his senior year well he didn't get to show as much as he hoped this year will he come back yet next year to show it does he think like this is it i'm never going to get a chance to show much more than this i'll just go do well at the combine and i'll go but like hausman hausman is really interesting right? Like that, that's just an extra freebie year for him. So I just, I'm wondering how many guys will do it.
1: Record is interesting to me because I feel like we look at it as, well, he didn't get to show very much as a receiver, but I think when they use him as a receiver, he does show what he can do as a receiver. And if he's showing himself to be an NFL level blocker, otherwise, I don't know that that doesn't actually help him as an NFL draft prospect as much as if they were throwing to him, a few more times per game, but he wasn't blocking as well.
0: And I think Ohio State's one of those schools where you, you can just go look at a guy's practice film, because especially when they go Bloody Tuesdays, because the playing gets NFL talent every day. So if they really wanted to see what he was like as a receiver, they would just ask Ohio State for the practice tape on him.
2: And as you're saying, Nathan used the blocking tape from games. Yeah, he did help himself as a prospect this year. Yeah. I think you're both right on that.
1: Absolutely. Who else do you think really help? I mean, here's a market down like, how much more money? did Trey Sermon earn himself with one afternoon in Indianapolis? I don't think he's going to be like a second round pick now necessarily, but I think he probably enhanced his draft standing.
2: Well, I saw some draft guys who were making a Tevin Coleman comparison for him. Tevin Coleman, Mm -hmm. who was 2000 year old rusher at Indiana and I think was a second round pick and has had a Mm -hmm. productive career in the NFL, not as a lead back necessarily, but he's been in a timeshare back situation in the NFL. Um, I think a lot of the – I think there are some NFL draft guys who thought they saw it with Sermon at Oklahoma. And so they weren't – they didn't view the Big Ten Championship game as anything new. It was a confirmation of what they thought they had seen before. And so I am dismissive of like, oh, great, when you get a big hole, you can do something with it. But, you know, that's that's a thing still. It's like can you – when you get downhill, are you a, are you a downhill runner that can do some stuff? And I think people do see that with him. He, is, he does have good size. I mean, when he gets going, he looks pretty good when he gets going, right? He's not like he's a bowling ball. I mean, he looks like a he looks like a dude a little bit when he's when he gets moving. So um, yeah, I think I think he will be a guy that I actually think, just based on what draft analysts have said, I think he might have a chance to go in the second round, second, hmm. third round type guy. I wouldn't take him there. I don't think he's that. I really just think his vision, I just don't. Compared to some other guys, I just don't think it's there. And when things get nasty and there's not huge holes in the NFL, I don't know.
1: Well, there's also the huge – there's also the fact that I, we haven't seen that, like, top-end breakaway speed the way – I mean, there were definitely yeah. some of those runs he had in the Big Ten Championship game where the first thing I thought of was, like, oh, that was a touchdown for J.K. Dobbins, but it's not mm-hmm. for – it was what well, we talked about before.
2: Even I mean, the, go ahead, Doug. J.K. Dobbins got caught by Clemson last year. But, but go back and look but, at that play. Like, that. that's – Oh, go ahead. He got caught too. J.K. Dobbins is not a flat-out speed burner. Like, I just no. – some of his stuff, I agree. I think sometimes the top-end breakaway speed to make sure that you're – when you get away from a secondary, it's an 80-yard touchdown and not a 65-yard run where you get caught from behind. I'm not sure that's high on the list. That's not what J.K. did best. I mean, some guys have that breakaway right. speed. I, don't, I would agree. I don't think Trey Sermon has it, but I also don't know if that's a – I don't think that's like a sh- – a huge negative on his NFL evaluation, maybe. I
1: don't, I don't think he even had what J.K. Dobbins had, though, which, as you're saying, was also still not the elite level of that. So it, I guess that was the only the point I was bringing up. But also just his consistency. I think you're right that these draft guys have seen it in flashes. We've seen it in flashes. We just saw it uh, in a big flash in the Big Ten Championship game, but we haven't seen it week in, week out. Some of that was opportunity when they went over to, to, to Master Teague for more of it, but it hasn't been consistent.
0: Yeah, I do think with him, it's, he's good in the And when he gets to the second level – I think and but the problem is getting him to the second level wasn't always easy because he doesn't always hit the right hole and that's where JK Dobbins was great and and getting to the second level I didn't always score once he got there but getting there was where he where he mastered mastered master described as a college football player I think Haskell Garrett and Tommy Togiai have clearly earned themselves some money um, I think Jonathan Cooper maybe I don't he's not obviously not a top 100 draft pick but I think he's gonna get drafted after the season he's had Um. I'm still interested with MPF. him obviously being right tackle. It's not as valuable as left tackle is, but does he get enticed if he's up there on enough draft boards to where even after just one year, people fall in love with him?
1: Yeah. I think we're going to have an interesting, after the playoff, there's an interesting market down Monday to do about just kind of guessing all the potential draft rounds for a lot of these guys. Wait, I mean, you know, you've got Josh Myers, Mike Sean- Davis to throw in there Sean Wade to throw in there. Are he and um, Chris
0: Olave first round draft pick locks? Who?
2: Sean oh, I don't know that, Olave.
1: I don't no. know anybody on this team is a first round draft pick lock right now.
2: I'm not. Sure. I don't think Wyatt's a lock either. I, I don't think any. Well, no, but lock some it. of that's because of why the position Wyatt plays.
0: With Sean and, and Chris, when it's two positions where there's consistently guys sticking in the first round, I think with Sean maybe you would have thought he was a top ten pick. At least some guys had him that way. Um, and with Chris. I think it's first round talent, but I think some of his flaws are enough to make him slip.
1: Yeah. I never thought he was like a
2: a first round lock. They like to take receivers in the first round, but it's like Jamar Chase is going to go in the first round and both, both Bama guys are going to go in the first round. And there's just, I mean, there's going to be a lot of guys up there. And I think, I think Olave is, you know, whatever it is below that top level. Mm. Right. But that still could be first round. I mean, he could be, Chris Olave could be the sixth or seventh receiver off the board, and still go in the first round. Um, I think Sean helped himself the last couple of games with some of this tape. But like, yeah, he can play outside yeah. corner. You know, I think I think they're both probably. I think Sean Wade and Chris Olave are both between like the 25th and 45th pick, right? So, okay. what's the difference between like late first round to middle of the second round?
1: Who Who can really? help themselves the most? I think Chris olave has got to be on that list the highest. Who can help themselves the most, even just with the Sugar Bowl? Assuming, I mean, we think he's going to be able to play. Um, Which Ohio State players can help themselves the most next
2: Friday? Justin Fields? Yeah, I'm not trying to be stupid about it, but, like, it is definitely Justin Fields.
0: Because he's not a lock to be the second quarterback taken anymore.
2: And for some people, he wasn't. And Zach Wilson had a good game for BYU in their bowl game against – I don't know Idaho Tech or whoever they played, and people get impressed because you throw a bunch of touchdowns against Idaho Tech because that's fine. But um, I saw someone making like a Baker Mayfield comparison with Zach Wilson. Like I think like he's mm-hmm. not like physically just like how tall he is and everything, but like he he has he has a good arm. He can make the throws. Um, a lot of people have Zach have liked Zach Wilson through the process, and so Justin Justin has a lot of opportunity here because people like Trey Lance, the North Dakota State guy some people like Mac Jones now, some people like Kyle Trask now. It's not like Justin if he's great will be the second quarterback and if he has a not a great game will be the seventh quarterback. I mean like that's not what's going to happen, but this definitely to Steven's point could be if Justin is like confirms every positive thing about him I mean, I think he has a chance to be like the number two pick in the draft. If he, if mm-hmm. he leaves the lingering questions, because physically, when he interviews at the Combine, people are going to love him. Yep. And when he does the physical stuff at the Combine, he's going to test really well. And when he throws at the Combine, I think he's going to look really good because he's really accurate mm-hmm. and his arm strength is good. It's not, I don't think fantastic, but it's good. So all that stuff is going to work. But they're going to ask him about decision-making. They're, they're going to ask him about evaluating defenses and why did you make this throw and whatever. And so if he goes out there and he, he rips Clemson apart, I think it might be the difference between being the second quarterback and the fourth quarterback. I mean, I think that's what's on the line for him, and that's the difference between pick number two and pick number nine, and that's a lot of money.
1: Zach Wilson had 425 yards and three touchdowns against Central Florida, by
2: the way. The Idaho Tech of the of orlando florida. area the central florida <laughs> whatever they are
0: i don't know that can't be a real school um
2: it might be a IT? school it's probably like a community college it oh no it the idaho tech um <laughs> i was going potatoes lassoers i don't know i mean it's just i get frustrated <laughs> I,
1: get, I get frustrated fuck i talk. Buc- talk i talk Anybody else that, that jumps out i mean i think I think uh, I think Sean Wade can still help himself. Um, I think White Davis can still help himself, Sean so that's, that's a little bit tougher to demonstrate probably in a single game
0: i'm interested to see what certain NFL teams are going to look at Sean Wade and think he 's going to be. I understand he wants to be an outside corner, but his versatility and his ability to play slot and strong safety for whatever for all intents and purposes, I wonder if some teams see him more as that because they've seen him excel at that more often. They have seen him with film outside corner. So I am interested, you know, I know, understand everybody wants to play outside corner, but if a team is going to pay you millions of dollars to play in the slot or play strong safety, yeah, I think he'll take that.
2: I mean, the big, big money is an outside corner, right? It That's is. A, but, but the versatility is only a plus. So it's like, mm-hmm. does, is Sean Wade at a point where he's going to be like the eighth pick in the draft? Like, is he at like a Jeff Okuda, Marshawn Lattimore, Denzel Ward? You know, Kuda goes three, Ward goes four, Marshawn Latimer goes 11, Eli Mm -hmm. Apple goes 10. That was overdraft. Eli Apple was never, should have gone that high as we've seen. He's been an okay NFL player. That was an overdraft by the Giants. So is Sean Wade in that group with what he's shown this year in a limited schedule, making the move outside? Is Sean Wade going to go in the top 11? I would say no. That would be my guess that 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 is a no. Mm -hmm. So if that was his goal, I want to come back and play outside corner so I can be the next guy who goes that high, in the top 11. I would say I think maybe he didn't quite reach that goal. But now, if you're not one of those guys, now when you start getting into the teens and the 20s and they're evaluating you and it's like, okay, well, maybe you're not a top 10 overall pick as an outside corner, but look at all the things you can do. Steven, you're right. So it's like I think maybe he's a half step short on the top end, but man, that versatility and what he's shown that, yes, he can play outside corner and do it well, but he also can play in the slot. You can blitz him. If you bring him down and play press man in the slot, and you can blitz him, he can be a physical guy there. He can come up, he can tackle a little bit. He can do all that stuff. He can play. He can wrap up a guy in man coverage in the slot covered, you know, dual routes. But he also, now he's showed he can play the ball in the air on the outside I think that's one of those where it's like, okay, well, now if we're at 18 or 21 or whatever, and it's like we have a couple options, it's like, all right, this guy is a good player, and the versatility is going to help him.
1: I think that's why he's still the most likely first-round choice for Ohio State for this draft, and it's because the, the, the importance that the NFL is – placing on slot corner is growing and growing. Uh, I saw there was an article in the Indy star earlier this week about the, you know, their slot corner whose name is escaping me, but the great season he's had and how those guys can't be pro bowl selections and people kind of arguing that there almost needs to be a separate pro bowl slot now for slot corner. And I think that, you know, I know that people get wrapped up in where you're drafted, that first year and there can be extra money there. The The real money is that second contract. The real money is where you're a free agent and you can sign something yeah. long, really long-term. And I think that's where he might be in position to to really cash in someday because I think he can get in the league and prove himself to be kind of invaluable to defense. And maybe even at that position, you know, you're the farther back you fall in the first round, and, and I'll even say this about Justin Fields, you're costing yourself money up front, but you might be drifting back into an even better football position because you're getting with a a team that won more games and is more ready to win right away.
2: I think the other guys we have to keep in mind are linebacker. We've talked about linebacker, but let's see what Pete Werner and Baron Browning can do in space against some of these guys for Clemson. Tough. I just don't know. But I think, you know, a lot of people like Pete Werner as a draft pick. And I still think Baron Browning is a guy that I would take as an NFL team that like this guy still, I think overall is like a first round talent. And it's still I still think we haven't necessarily seen the best of Baron Browning as what kind of football player he can be. And if you use him the right way and put him in positions to succeed, I mean, what does that mean? Okay, well, I'll take a shot at him in the third round and be like, I think this if this guy hits, this guy could be an excellent player. But also all the stuff we talked about already on the Clemson pod. Let's see if Pete Warner and Baron Browning are, you know, dragging down Travis Etienne in space or covering guys in, you know. Pass coverage, or maybe get a little blitz action on Trevor Lawrence, that'll have a chance to be a nice finishing uh, part of their resume.
0: I think Baron Browning might be a better NFL fit than college football fit, especially with the way they've used him here. I think I agree with that. Um, I, think when, if, I think if that works out, I think we might be looking at Baron Browning five years from now going, how did that come from whatever he was in Ohio State? I also not, think quite, too, it's- not quite Michael Thomas level, obviously, but the, the idea of how did this not correlate?
1: Well, I think it's also too. When you're in college, I think you can get bounced around, and it almost seems like a detriment. But you get to the NFL, and I think, it, just individually, and then in the people way to look at you. If you're bouncing around, there's you still see a lot of value there. You're not you're not a utility guy at the college level. You're a guy who makes an NFL team better by being able to bounce around and do various things. Not that you wouldn't want to like establish yourself at a home, but they're just NFL teams find a lot of value in, in guys like that. And you could see him helping different kinds of defenses, depending on who drafts him. I mean, he could, like think of him as like a guy who gets picked by like a three, four defense.
2: Yeah.
1: That's intriguing to me just because of what he has shown in the past.
2: Yeah. I agree. What else? I think we're, we're under, we're under time. Is that it for the market down questions? I think so.
1: Yeah, that 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 pretty much covers them. There were a couple more that I didn't go into. Um, there was one that was like predicting Ohio State's next verbal commitment, and I didn't even look to see who ended up being the next one after that. But then a couple that just couldn't be measured because of the way things worked out, or are 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 well down the line.
0: I think I remember that uh, verbal commitment one because that's when um, Cameron came on with us, and I think, uh, I think he said a tight end. And it ended up being a tight end. And I said, Gabe powers. And that literally ended up being the next two commitments.
2: Look at us with our recruiting coverage,
0: nailing it. Miss you, Cam. That was awesome.
2: Yeah. Cameron Teague who did, who was on that podcast. He's a news writer for us now, but we do have, if you guys are reading cleveland.com slash OSU, you see a bunch of other names in there. We have a great group of freelancers who uh, help us reach out and keep tabs on a lot of these prospects out there. So, you know, Steven does a lot of recruiting calls and does a lot of the big interviews, but It's hard to, you know, keep tabs on like 100 people by yourself. So we really appreciate uh, everybody who's part of that coverage for us. But the thing that I think in the end that I I think we could be – and listen, we don't – Nathan's always like – this is, by the way, behind the scenes of Buckeye Talk. Nathan's always like, you know, the podcast doesn't have to be two hours. And I say, that is who we are. We are a two-hour Thursday podcast. Do not – but also, we weren't always a two-hour podcast either. Back in the old days, it's like an hour was long. And we've just gone down this road. So we don't want to shortchange you, but we don't want to tread water for no reason. It's freaking Christmas Eve. But I would like to, can we wrap with this? If this is where we are and we actually kind of cover what we want to cover. By the way, you know, like this the Wednesday pod, that's not the big pod. It's like an hour 40. So, I mean, it's like, we just never stop talking. This is my point. If
0: <laughs> we talk, we never stop, stop talking. talking.
2: <laughs> if we said, if we all said Ohio State would win the national championship, right? We all made that final prediction before it was like, okay, now here they're going to go. Okay. We know all this stuff, COVID, who knows, whatever, but that's the prediction that we made. Technically on
1: market down Monday, we said, would they have won it because it had already been canceled
2: at that point. So, but we all were there. I mean, I think, I'm not even sure we did on a podcast, but didn't we make predictions then even on like, when they finally played on October 24th. I don't know. We, I think that's what we all thought, whether we officially say that. Yes. So as we sit here now and we've all, I think said we would not say that right now, if we were forced to pick now at this moment, we wouldn't predict Ohio state to win the national championship. Where were we wrong? What changed? Where were we wrong? Where were we not necessarily wrong, but you know, the context just is a little different than what we expected. Nathan, What, what, what would be, what, why aren't we all sitting here right now saying we said it before the season we're backing it up. Yes. Ohio state's going to win the national championship.
1: I think even at the time I was saying that while I thought they would win the national championship, I had real questions about the back end of the defense. And I think those were not adequately answered. I think I went into the season thinking these are obviously big question marks. But there seems to be the kind of talent here that they can answer it with. And whether that was things like the Cameron Brown injury, whether that was things like uh, us not correctly reading the safety situation or Ohio State making decisions that just didn't work out, I I still feel like that is still a big liability going into a, a, a game like the one they have on January 1st against an offense like that. And whether that secondary can prevent um, the gouging that a team like Clemson might be able to put on it. So I don't
0: it, go ahead. know if we were necessarily wrong about anything. I think we all thought the secondary would be a problem. And at times it was a problem. Um, I think we, we all thought the running game at times would be a problem and at times. It was a problem. I think that one place, maybe we were a little overzealous given the circumstances of this season and not being able to get a consistent rhythm with everybody, especially those young receivers plus Jamison Williams is, I think Justin Fields' – is I don't want to say stunted growth, but I don't think anybody thought that in the two biggest games of the season of what was left of it, Justin Fields would play as badly as he did. And there's a lot of things you can chalk that up to. But at the end of the day, um, one of the two best quarterbacks in the country didn't look like it in the games where he needed to look like one of the two best quarterbacks in the country.
1: I think it wasn't what we were wrong about. I think that what we just did not factor in – was how disjointed this season ended up being, because I think that is absolutely a factor in the team that Ohio state is putting on the field on January 1st.
2: So I think in the end, I think it's three things why we're at a different place. And I think two of them are what you mentioned. One is the defense, which is not a surprise, but they could have answered the questions more that there would be more defense. But I will say in fairness and Nathan, you've been stronger on this, I think, than than Stephen and I have been. And you've been correct. It's like you really, every step of the way, just sort of kept saying, I just wonder about the defense. Is it a championship level defense? But I thought in the end, we sort of decided, well, we don't know that they'll be great, but it won't be the thing that holds them back. And I think that's still where we are. So yeah. I don't think the defense really is any that much different than what we thought it would be, right? So I think it is remains the number it remains an issue but we also thought it would be an issue i think justin's play is the biggest thing that's changed that that he that he just hasn't been as good if he was just lighting it up if he just looked like he did in the first three games all the way through the season it'd be like all right well i don't know if they're gonna stop anybody but who's gonna stop justin fields like that's not where we are right now so i think the thing that's the, the most different is justin's level of play and it might be that it's just the screwed up schedule it's missing Chris Olave. It's that they were up 35-7 to seven against Indiana, and then it got a little hinky, and that actually he proves that, no, all of that was right. This was just a little tangent. Believe you, everybody is right to believe in him. That could happen. And then I think the third thing is Mac Jones, actually, because some component of why we think this is because Bama. Yeah. And I think the reason we weren't necessarily 100% on Bama It's because we weren't sure how good their quarterback was. They have great defensive talent, and their defensive stats aren't great, but they have great individual talent. They always have a running back. They always have an offensive line. Everybody knew their receiver talent was crazy. But would this guy who was a backup and replaced Tua last year when Tua was hurt, would he really be good enough? Because right now, I mean, again, Clemson is – I think Clemson, Ohio State, this game is closer to a toss-up than anything else, and that's what we've talked about. So if Bama wasn't looking like last year's LSU, and if Bama were just kind of looking like, man, they're good, but they're right there with Clemson-Ohio State, I think we'd be thinking about Ohio State's chances differently. But the number one thing that I didn't expect was how well Mac Jones has played. Obviously helped by all the talent around him, by having a Heisman-level receiver, by having a Heisman-level running back, and by having a stacked offensive line. But we still thought Bryce Young might take that job. We thought Mac Jones might be Kelly Bryant. And then could Bryce Young be Trevor Lawrence? And it turns out that Mac Jones is not Kelly Bryant. Mac Jones is like, uh, you know, whatever. You know, he's certainly closer to Joe Burrow than he is to Kelly Bryant. So that is the thing. And Ohio State can't control that. But sometimes it felt like maybe there was like a little bit of an opening here for Ohio State to be the team that emerges. And it's like, oh, yeah, Bama's awesome. And that's a tough thing.
1: I agree. Anything else from you, Stephen, before we wrap things up?
0: No, I, I think I'm proud of my picks, even my Baron Browning pick.
2: We also, um, I'm going to interrupt Stephen being proud of himself to just say, we also had multiple discussions that I think both of you were a part of about Baron Browning being the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. We
1: did. We did. I think that was an, uh, that wasn't a market down Monday. We could go back and find that. I think it was a, um, like an outrageous predictions kind of thing or something like that. We had a lot
0: of faith in Baron Browning. When I say we, I mean me and uh, misplaced.
2: Not that he's bad.
0: No, he's not a bad player. It's just the, the position he has been put in didn't necessarily cater to him. He's not – they don't use him the way Micah Parsons would have been used by Penn State right. is what it is. And so misplaced. Um, on the offensive side, I think I'm fine, though. I, I, I like where my, my faith resides, but on defense – I need to reconsider some things this off season.
1: I should go back and find that though. That wasn't a market on Monday, but I remember, I remember that. And I think I was the one who said it, that that was like, um, that was an outrageous prediction that uh, Baron Browning not only takes kind of like a step up, but like also just sort of like explodes into the big 10 and is, is a, is a defensive force. But that was also thinking of him at a completely different use, use him being used in
2: a completely different way than he was. So, is there anything else you want to say be proud of your pick, Steven? That is like that's like the it's like it's like Steve was like, let me take 30 seconds to talk about something I did well. And eight seconds into it, I'm like, but remember that thing you said that was wrong?
1: Yeah. When is Steven not proud of himself? He eats like twenty percent of a pizza and, and is still well
0: Listen, you gotta continue to have faith in yourself. If you don't, who will?
2: Fuck that's, I, a, talk.
1: that's a that's a great way to put that. Yep. If,
2: <laughs> but but I, I talk, talk.
1: If you don't believe in yourself, who will?
2: buckeye talk where doug constantly points out the mistakes of his colleagues (laughs) while massaging his own ego um so here's the other thing so let's just make sure we're all on the same page on this and by all of us i mean the listeners so we're giving this to you on thursday afternoon no podcast friday no podcast saturday no podcast sunday you have five podcasts from this week Enjoy time with your family. Happy holidays to everybody. Thanks for being part of Buckeye Talk, and I hope we get you through. And then we'll be back with the normal Monday Madness on Monday. And then Monday and Tuesday next week are huge interview days. They are the two huge interview days where we are expected to talk with six players from both Clemson and Ohio State each day as well as coordinators on those days. And so we're going to have a lot of news. I think we're going to talk just a lot about that. You know, we're not going to necessarily look for themes and that kind of thing. We're going to spend a lot of next week, what are people saying about this game? What are we learning more about this game? So three days off, back Monday, back to normal with Buckeye Talk, but we'll still be writing on the site at cleveland.com slash OSU over the next couple of days, so make sure you're checking that out.
1: Well, that'll do it. That little walk down memory lane from the market down Mondays from 2020. I think that's going to come back in 2021. I think that's, it's a useful tool. I think, like I said, uh, we get good feedback from our texters and our listeners about it. And I'm looking forward to delving into some of those topics we were sort of throwing out there at the end. So looking forward to that after the the first of the year, but a lot between now and the first of the year. So stick with us at the uh, cleveland.com slash OSU Follow us on the text, 614-350-3315. We've had a, a, a huge surge lately of people jumping on to you know take advantage of the, the free two weeks that will carry you through the Sugar Bowl. The, I guess the longer you wait, the longer it will carry you in case they also play for a national championship. But, but jump on in there and, and see if you like it because there's going to be a lot coming at you. Uh, not so much maybe the next couple of days, but certainly, again, like Doug said, starting Monday, a, a lot of intel coming out of those interviews and as we lead up to the game so I am Nathan Baird he's Doug Maurice, and he's Stephen Means and that was Buckeye Talk oh Merry Christmas